This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Praise God. And you know, how amazing uh, it is to really know who we are as God's children. Uh, we're called the light. We're called um, the remnant. And we are united with God. We are a part of his family. It's amazing to know that. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for what you're about to do this morning. Thank you because we've just spoken word of power over our services. Because you know where you are taking us. And we know, oh God, in a few months we're starting a second service. So we are making way for you to move and get your work done in this city. We praise you, God, because as your word comes to us, we are changed. And nothing, not even our mindset can stand against it. We praise you. We honor you. Inundate this place this morning with your anointing. In the name of Jesus. And let the word not fall to the ground. But let it become fertile in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. So we started off on this series, A People of Prophecy. And um, through that series, through this series, we've been talking about what prophecy is and, uh, and the gifts to the church. But much more, we, we started talking about what it means to prophesy. And we've established the fact that prophecy is to speak words of power. Words of power. And as God's children, we are, we've been called, we, we've been anointed in a way that we, our words carry power. And God has given us the ability to speak words that work. You remember on Sunday, even on Friday, we talked even more about it. How Jesus said, every idle word that you speak, every non-working word that you speak, every inoperative word that you speak, you will give account. But today, we're going to be talking about our third point. You know, last time we also added that prophecy edifies the church. It builds up the church. It builds up. Okay? It's not witch hunting. (laughs) It builds up. It does not criticize. It builds up. And whatever words that are spoken to you is meant to help you grow. It's meant to inspire you. Amen? So it builds up. It's not involved in detective duties. (laughs) You know, we, we talked about that also last week. That prophecy is not to find out what you did in the secret so that we can expose you. No, because that, that, that does not build up. What you did in secret, you already know. And because you've got the Spirit of God, God is already dealing with you anyway. So why do we have to embarrass you? But we do know that when you hear God's word, it is a way of helping you to change because God's word changes. It changes you. Praise God. 
So it's the same thing. As I said, prophecy is not a sinner-catching activity. It's not. And the last one is that it does not render you unconscious. You know, at times when you know, you know, people start to shake. We, we, no, not here, okay? Um, and then they feel like, well, they are getting something spiritually, and all of a sudden they are not you know, in charge of themselves. No, the Bible says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So you have the capacity, the ability to control how God moves you and what God puts in your mouth. Amen. And that's why in, in the book of First Peter, uh, I believe First or Second Peter, it said, with, with knowledge, apply patience. Because you might have too much knowledge and you don't know when to say it. You might just say it at the wrong time. And instead of building, what does it do? It tears down. Okay, let's move on. So, today we are basically talking about prophecy witnesses to your true nature. Prophecy witnesses to your true nature. What is your true nature? Because if you don't understand what your true nature is, you wouldn't know what to prophesy. I've pulled on, I said, identity informs capacity. In other words, if you don't know who you are, you wouldn't know what you have the power to do. You wouldn't know. We've had this, you know, this story about um, an eagle that grew up with ducks. Or a swan that grew up with ducks. And it always thought it was an ugly duck until he grew and he was always not part of the family. They'll look at him and say, you're so ugly. Why are you so ugly? Why are you so terrible? You don't look like us. But he always felt as, you know, like an outsider until he realized who really he was. And the day he realized who he is, he spread his wings and became proud and realized how much he can do. If you don't know who you are as, as a child of God, that incapacitates you. That reduces your ability because you are only learning from what you think might be. But you should learn from what it is actually. Your true reality is different from possibly what you are looking at right now. You're God's child. So if you don't know who you are, you won't be able to prophesy alongside. Uh, God took Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37. He took Ezekiel to a valley full of bones, human bones, dry bones. Dry bones. So that means there weren't flesh on it, no sinews, nothing. And God said to Ezekiel, asked him actually, said, shall these bones, can they live again? And Ezekiel thought, thought for a minute and went, I'm not sure what to say. They are really dry. And threw the ball back at God and said, only you know God. And do you know, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. Because God is asking you to change something and you go, is, is this your will, God? Only you know. But if it's always been his will to bless you. It's always been his will because you are his child. 
And I've said this a thousand times. Nothing is too good for you. Nothing is too good for you. Because your father, your daddy owns everything. Don't, go, don't look at a particular thing and say, well, I can't achieve that because, no, I, I'm, I'm not qualified for it. No, you're overqualified. The Bible tells us how he has qualified us with the Father. So, but it doesn't work like that. So tell me, how else does it work? If you knew better, wouldn't you have been better than this already? How about committing your life to God and see how it works? Because God's, God's word works. It works. The Bible says that his word is living and active. It's living and active. So Ezekiel was told to prophesy over those dry bones and said, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. Sinews will come upon you and skin will come upon you and you shall live again. And what did Ezekiel do? Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. He prophesied as he was commanded. So he heard and said as God said to do. And we realize that the reason why God speaks to us is so that we can say it boldly again. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. 13, 1-3 verse 5. So keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Can you do uh, King James Version, please, very quickly? So let your conversation be, be without conversiousness and be content with such things as ye have. Okay? Then this is the other part that I'm really concerned with. It says, for he has said that God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So what he's saying is that God has said, so that we can say boldly. God has said, so whatever he says helps us to confess what we have already. Whatever he says helps us to prophesy what we want to see in our lives. So because the word of God is God's mirror for us. When, the more we look into God's word, the more we see what God has promised us. The more we see who we really are in God and what belongs to us. So God has said so that we may boldly say. So when you understand that component, that when you follow what God has said, it's not difficult for you to be confident in what he wants you to do. So the first question for you today is, who are you? The Bible tells us about being delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Being delivered, being rescued, being saved from the kingdom of darkness. But what does the kingdom or the domain of darkness represent? If you can, tell me what it's part of the domain of darkness. Sorry? Satan, what does he do? Sorry? He torments, he steals, he kills, he destroys by what means? Now, these are questions for you, okay? By us not knowing. So in other words, he, 
takes away our opportunity to get wisdom or to understand who we are. He takes that away and then puts possibly on people the circumstances that helps them to understand how terrible or how disadvantaged they are. So he puts sickness on people. He, he puts fear on people. Poverty, sickness, failure, sin, depression, lack, hostile attitude, anger, frustration. And these all belong to the kingdom of darkness. Right? It belongs to the kingdom of darkness. And every negative thing. Because when God created man, he did not add to him any negative thing until the devil came and infested what man was freely given. And the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, said, the Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption. He said he has delivered us. He's not about to. He has. He has. He has delivered us. He's not about to. He has. But the interesting thing there is, if he has delivered us, into what has he delivered us? Into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. So he's made us one with himself. He's brought us into his family. But another part I want you to see also, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, is that he called you a different person. He specified your nature. And we'll see it from here. Psalm chapter 82, verse 1. Can, can we read from the King James Version? God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Where is he judging? God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He calls them the mighty. And he judges among who? The gods. And he says, how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Salah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. How nice would that be if the mighty people do things like this, right? How nice will it be when the mighty people are actually helping to deliver the poor and fatherless and reading them out of the, the hands of the wicked people? It will be lovely. We'll have a peaceful life, isn't it? So verse 4 again, very quickly. I said, deliver the poor and needy, read them out of the hand of the wicked. But he's still saying about the mighty and the gods, he said, they know not, will, neither will they understand. So they walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. They are out of the way it's set out to be. So because the gods and the mighty... Are you still here? Verse 5. The gods and the mighty know not, nor do they understand. So they walk on where? In darkness. And we already identified what constitutes darkness. They walk on in lack. They walk on in poverty. They walk on in sickness. They walk on in fear. They walk on in death. Right? They walk on in, um, you know, terrible attitude. They walk on in darkness. They walk on in darkness. 
So all the foundations of the earth are out of course because they do not know who they are. He said, but I have said. He didn't say, I will say. He said, I have said, ye, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men, like humans. So when I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. And I want to stop there. And I ask you, so who are they talking about? Because he's talking about the gods. He's talking about the mighty. And he said, I, my expectation of you is to help out people. Don't call on me. You be the one to do it. So that's God's expectation of the gods. That's God's expectation of the mighty. Are you still here? Or at least we agree on something. That God expects the gods to do something about the situation in the world. He said, but, but because they don't know who they are, they walk on in darkness. They walk on in ignorance. So the question then is, who are the gods? Because he says, because you don't know, you shall die like men and fall like any of the princes. So who are the gods that he's talking about? It didn't quite imply that we are. But we can stretch it and go, yeah, that's us. But let's see what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, he answered the Pharisees, he said, is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? He said, is it not written in your law, you know, um, referring to Psalm 82? He said, is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? And the reason why Jesus was saying this was when he declared himself to be son of God and go, well, He's just a human being. Why would he call himself the son of God? Because if he calls himself the son of God, that means he's God too. And Jesus went, but is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. And then in verse 35, hear this, right? Don't miss this. He said, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, Probably this one will explain it more. I'll give you a different translation, possibly. The Amplified Translation. Verse 34. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? And he said, so men, in other words, people, humans. So humans are called gods by the law. Men to whom God's words or God's message came and the scripture cannot be set aside or canceled or broken or annulled. He says, so if God calls people to whom his words came, gods, and the scriptures cannot be set aside, cannot be broken, or cannot be annulled, say, why do you say then? When you went ahead, verse 36, he said, so if that is true, say, if that is true, and that's Jesus saying, Jesus having an argument with the Pharisees, that so if that is true, do you say of the one whom the Father consecrated and dedicated and set apart for himself and sent into the world that you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? So my question for you is, is it too big for you to understand who you really are, that you are gods? Is it too big for you? Is it because they don't know, nor will they understand the walk on in darkness. 
Hosea chapter 4 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not lack of knowledge of physics or chemistry, but lack of knowledge of who they really are. Who are you? And you've got to know that. He said, but if I call myself God, does that equate me with God? No. It doesn't equate you with God. It doesn't make you the God of the world. But that you are a child of God. You can do what God does. And that's why he puts his word in your mouth and expects you to create. And expects you to make changes. And expects you, uh, your, the course of your life to be changed. He puts his words on your lips. You remember Ephesians 5 verse 1? You know, we, we, we looked at the, the parallels between Isaiah 55 last week. Say, as the rain comes down from heaven and does not return thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth fruit and bud. Say, so shall my words be that comes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return back to me void. And that was God talking. It shall not return back to me void, but shall accomplish whatever I've said, sent it for to do. So, in other words, he's saying, my words will not be void. My words be, will not be non-operative. My words will not be idle. So, in Ephesians chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 1, says, So, imitate God and follow his examples. So, if he's saying imitate God and follow his examples, he expects our words to be as operative as God's word. He expects what we do to be in line with what God does. And God's expectation of us is to be in charge, to take over the course of our lives. To be in charge of our lives. Because don't let your religiosity, don't let the things that you've always known stop you from understanding what God has called you to be. You know, there's this thing that they say, God walks in mysterious ways. How many of us have heard that before? And, you know, how many of us have ever said that? God works in mysterious ways. Yeah? All right. God works in mysterious ways. Chapter what? Verse what in the Bible? It's not anywhere in the Bible. Such from beginning to the end. It's never anywhere in the Bible. It's not. And that was a song that was written by, it was an English songwriter. And it was written in the 17th century. And in the 21st century, you still think it's applicable. And, and people think, well, it's just okay to say. And can I say that's actually an excuse <laughs> uh, to say, well, we don't understand this, so, but God works in mysterious ways. He can do whatever he wants to do. But no, 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 no. God has always wanted us to understand his acts, what he does. Because how can we imitate him if we don't understand what he does? And he wants us to walk with him, to understand his will, to understand his ways. He doesn't hide it from us, his children. It's just like my kids saying, oh, no, my dad do, you know, does some weird things. He works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. No, not, not at all. Whatever I do, I want my kids to know. So that when I'm not there, they take over. Come on. Are you still here? It's true. Because we need to know who we are. And we need to know that God is not looking for ways to hide his power from you. Because we need to know how it works so that we can appropriately use the same power. That's why he gave us the authority 
in the name of Jesus. It says, there's no other name that is named amongst men by which we must be saved, but by the name, at the name of Jesus. He said, and that name is greater than any other name that has been named both in heaven and on earth and beneath the earth. Hear that. He said, the name of Jesus is greater than any other name that has been named both in heaven and on earth and beneath the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Okay. It didn't say every knee shall bow. Go study your Bible. It says should bow. Shall is a promise. Should is a declaration of fact. Every knee should bow. Okay? But think about it this way. He said, at the name of Jesus, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In other words, what will make the knees bow if they weren't scared? Are you still here? The knees are bowing not out of respect. It's out of fear. You, you understand? People respect. People stand in awe, condition, situation, stand in awe of the name of Jesus, not because they just want to respect it, you know, respect, I just respect you because you are, no, it's out of fear, out of fear. You see, everything is to bow, you don't bow just to respect, you bow to fear because you are afraid and it's not to his children is against to the things that are against his children. Okay, I've said that to say this, that the name of Jesus, it sounds like the most effective weapon on earth. It sounds like that, right? It sounds like that? Because the Bible says there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus. And if there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus, and Jesus created everything by the word of his power. Are you still here? Are you following me? Okay. And there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus. And then God packaged the name of Jesus and gave it to you. And then at the end of the day, he wants to do something that is mysterious to you. When he already gave you the, the highest authority, the highest power. He put the trigger in your hand. Are you still here? That's it. The name of Jesus is a trigger. So when you mention the name of Jesus, anything standing against you bows. Not out of respect, out of fear. Because they know that Jesus, hey, is much more. Is much more. He defeated death. He defeated Satan. And every time Satan hears that name, he, he, he quivers. He shakes in his boots. It's true. So God loves you so much that he gave you the name of Jesus, the biggest weapon on earth and in heaven and beneath the earth. He loves you so much. And then he says here, I have said ye are gods and all of you are sons or children of the most high. And you need to understand that. I have said ye are gods. So it's not too big for you to understand that. So, but, but, but I... I'm still uncomfortable with it. Do you know why you're uncomfortable with it? Because you are thinking in the human senses. Okay? You are saying, well, uh, but I'm just a human being. Yeah, of course you're a human being, but I tell you who you really are. Look at this. Look at this for a moment. 
Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what is this creation? He didn't call them a new human being. Did you hear that? In 2 Corinthians, can you, can you put that up very quickly? Chapter 5, verse 17. And this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite scriptures. It said, therefore, if any person, if any person is engrafted, oh God, I love that. If any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he's a new creation. Did he say he's a new human being? He didn't call him a new human being. And if he's not a new human being, it doesn't become a dog either. Right? So he said, it's a new creation. A new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Who is this creation? So at least, at the moment, you would accept with me that you are engrafted in Christ. You have accepted Jesus. And that's been engrafted in him. So who are you now? He didn't call you a new human. Because human has the capacity to fail. A uh, human, um, you know, wasn't designed to fail. But, this, the, you know, the, this, the structure that is set for humans is to fail. So that is why. Because God would have just gone, okay, um, I'll fix you. He did so many things through the world to fix humans. It didn't work until he sent his son Jesus. And when he sent his son Jesus, he didn't say, okay, Jesus is going to fix you. No, Jesus did not come to fix, but to bring forth a new creation. Uh, are you still here? And who is this new creation? He said, I have said, ye are gods. Now, for, for example, uh, this morning we were listening to something, myself and Ethan, in the car on our way. And I asked him a question. I said, the person who was talking talked about the seed of Abraham. So what does it mean to be a seed? He said, it means to come from Abraham. I said, great. And, and that's important for us to know. Because you can say, uh, my kids are Michael's seed. True? And why are they seed? Because they have the capacity to also reproduce. Right? All right. So if they are micro seed, can they be micro seed at the same time be other seed? No. They are only genetically micro seed. Of course, micro zanosas, right? Seed. Okay? Regardless of what they think of themselves, they cannot change their genetic structure to become another person's seed. They are micro seed. Whether they like it or not. They are still Michael's seed. Does that make sense? Okay, let's leave that there. Have you ever seen any human, due to evolution, that are evolving gradually and they are almost turning into cats? You know, their ear has changed. It's now cat ears. Have you ever seen any cat that has, due to evolution, you know, their head is like a lion's head, and their legs are like toad. No. Evolution will not change them into what they are not. Are you still here? It will not change them into what they are not. In other words, cats give birth to cats. Dogs give birth to dogs. Humans give birth to humans. And when God gives birth, what does he give birth to? Huh? Are you afraid to say that? It's true. It's true. It's true. Because the Bible says we are born of the seed of the word. 
We are born of the seed of the word. And whose word? The word of God. So that makes us God's children. So when we say we are God's children, we're not just saying it so that we can belong. We're saying it because that's our true nature. And until you understand what your true nature is, you cannot prophesy what God wants you to say. Because you'll be pretending. Our true nature, we belong to God. And that's why Jesus was saying, if God calls them God's, to whom he gave the message and the scriptures cannot be broken. So why do you say I'm lying? So in other words, in Jesus' day, they argued as well and go, well, you can be, you can be. You say, well, it means that you don't know the scriptures. And I'm saying to you this morning, get to understand the scriptures. Because when you understand the scriptures, there are some things that the devil cannot take away from you because it does not make sense to you. You get it? Because when you were born again, when you became new creation, your mind was still the same. All the terrible things that you used to know back then were still the same. Where's your spirit? Say to someone, it's your spirit that's born again. Because your spirit is your real you. Are you still here? Oh, think about it, for example. Uh, you know, people do plastic surgery on their nose, whatever they, wherever they do it on. And then that plastic, whatever, becomes their nose. And when you touch it, they go, leave my nose alone. Right? People can lose their arms. They can lose their limbs. They can even lose their eyes. Does that minimize how much of a person they are? It doesn't minimize. It doesn't reduce it. Regardless of how, how many parts of your body you've lost, does it reduce your humanness? Oh, talk to me now. So regardless of what you have lost in your body, it does not reduce your humanness. Why? Because your body is just a coat. It is not you. It's not the real you. It's not the real you. They can put plastic all over your body and change your limbs and hands, whatever. The you inside would not change because that's the real you. Okay, that you is the one that was born again. Are you still here? Do you know they do brain surgery? They do brain surgery. They can even remove some matter of your brain and replace it with something else. It's true. They do that. There's so many things they do. Even your heart. You know, every time you want to refer to yourself, say, my heart says, but that heart, they can even take it off and put another heart in it. But that's not you. Because the real you is spiritual. And that's the spiritual part that was born again. And that's the spiritual part that is God. So he says, I have said ye are gods and all of you are sons of the most high. And until you know, you cannot but prophesy. You cannot prophesy the things. You cannot speak words of power. Because you are looking at yourself limited by your capacity. Because you don't have the knowledge of who you really are. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, or chapter 10 verse 5, it said, He has made us kings and priests. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. We are kings and priests. We are gods on earth. So finally, go back to that same scripture, 82, chapter 82, Psalm, verse 1. God stands in the assembly of the representatives of God. Give me King James Version. Thank you very much. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. So, who is the mighty now? Us. Us. 
don't be afraid of the devil. He's possibly talking to you, your ears. Say, how mighty are you? You don't even have money in the bank. <laughs> so, and you're, you're still sick and you're calling yourself mighty? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know how the Bible says the hair, as long, you know, as long as the child does not differ from slaves or servants, although he has everything. But when he's grown up, he takes over. He said, well, but you were the child that I knew yesterday. He's no longer a child. Okay, so God stands in the congregation of the mighty. We are the mighty. All right? So he judges among the gods. We are the gods because he didn't say, I will say. He said, I have said. So anyone who is born of God, the Bible says he overcomes the world. Why would he overcome the world if he's in the world? Because we are no longer of this world. Oh, are you still here? We are not of this world. We might be here, but we don't belong here. We don't belong here. He says, so how long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? You know, when he says accept the persons of the wicked, it's not like accepting wicked people. He says, how would you accept their idea? How would you allow their idea to influence the way you think about yourself? How long would you continue to do that? He said, the reason why you continue to do that is in verse 3, because you do not know, verse 3, you do not know. He said, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Uh, he said, deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. But they do not know because they have no knowledge, nor do they understand who they really are. They walk on in that same futility. They walk on in that same mindset. They walk on defeated. They walk on depressed. That is why you see their attitude is still smelly. Right? You know, they show up. Instead of them coming up with what God has said about them, they are thinking everyone is stealing from them. How much can you steal from the sea? Are you still here? Because if you know your father owns everything. You know, I always say to people, I said, when you are borrowing someone something, don't ever think they will bring it back. Because most people don't bring them back. Why? Because they are humans. And that's how humans behave. So when you borrow, don't borrow beyond your capacity. Don't borrow beyond how much you can lose. If they bring it back, thank God. If they don't bring it, you already knew. You settled in your spirit that they aren't bringing it. So if they come asking for $500 and you could borrow them $500, ask yourself, can I, am I ready to lose $500? <laughs> and if your answer is yes, then go, yep, there you go. But if you aren't ready to lose it, don't borrow it. Because when they don't bring it back, because if you aren't ready to lose it, when they don't bring it back, what happens to you? You become a prisoner of their conscience. It's true. Every time you see them, you want to ask, where's my money? So instead of you preaching the gospel, it's true. And the person, you know, turns around, looks at you and going... Well, I've got this problem. Instead of you helping them through that problem, you're thinking, is it because you are owing me that you're telling me? But instead, hey, if they don't bring it back, it's okay. Talk to them as though they don't owe you. Do you know why? Because God is your source. Not humans. God is your source. You know, I always ask people, I say, so you are angry that they didn't give you your money back. I said, so tell me how long that money will last if they give you back. How long will it last? I said, but I gave it to them out of trust. It's okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledging. And it shall direct your path who to borrow money or not. Praise God. But we, we, we need to understand these things. We just need to understand. So that they don't limit the way you think about yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, so they know not, neither will they understand the walk on in darkness or the foundations of the earth as a result of that are out of course. Things aren't working well because you don't know who you are. Things aren't working well. Say, but I've said, ye are gods and all of you are sons of most high. Say, but you shall die like men because you act as men. You act as humans, so you die like humans do. So when it says you shall die like men, it means that you aren't men. You aren't just human. You are more than a human. You are new creation. And the new creation is actually born after the image and likeness of God. The former image and likeness of God, which is human, has been corrupted. It's no longer the image and likeness of God. That's why you see people, without you upsetting them, they just come and punch you. Do you think that's an image and likeness of God? No, that has been corrupted. The new image and likeness of God is you. You are the new creation. You are the new creation. And that's more of the reason you look at people and speak great words over them. You don't look at them based on how they, they react to you. Or you don't look at them based on what they've done to you. You look at them from a different perspective. You look at them because you are meant to direct the course of your life and of other people's life. Don't think, oh, well, he didn't talk to me right, so I'm just going to give him a piece of my heart. What's the piece of your heart? What piece? Which one are you talking about? The one that Jesus died for and buried? Or the one that Jesus has given you, the new one? Say with me, I'm born of God. I'm a child of God. Therefore, I'm God on earth. I'm God over my situation. I can demand what I want. And my situation has no option but to give it up. You're sick? Speak to your body. That's the first thing. Speak to your body. Hey, body, hear the word of the Lord. You will live and not die. The greater one, don't you know? You talk to your body. The Bible says, don't you know you are the temple of the living God? Can you stand on your feet? Don't you know you are the temple of the living God? So you are sick? Talk to your body first. You are the temple of the living God. Respond to my words. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be healed. Don't beg for your healing. Jesus said healing is the children's bread. Don't beg for them. Speak to your body. Speak to your situation. Speak to your business. Speak to your school. Speak to your finances. Speak to your school fees. <laughs> ah! No, you, you, you just need to. You need to. I've seen it come to pass. I used to be a student. Actually, an international student. I, I say to people, there's nothing worse than being an international student in terms of finances. Okay, I was. And twice, twice, I was given a letter to go, you are suspended from class. Not because I was dull, <laughs> but because I had not paid my fees. And... And I look at the letter and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because I know there was nowhere I could spew out 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 in two days. So what did I do? I just went to church as normal. 
You know, I looked at those letters. I said, Lord, I don't know where this money is coming from, but I know my source is you. So I went to church as normal. And do you know, not once, about three or four times, that God has supernaturally provided, at times it's exactly how much I needed, and at times it's even much more. And I call attention to the fact that it's much more, and you say, well, yeah, we just gave you much more so that you can do other things with it. I'm like, whoa, okay. Whoa, okay. <laughs> can I say to you, speak to your situation. Change it. Don't wait for someone else to change it. Change it. Now that you know that you are the mighty God is talking about, change it. His word is on your lips. It's in your mouth. The word of faith that we speak, change it. You say, but my car is not starting. Speak to it. You say, but it doesn't make sense to speak to it. Exactly why I said to speak to it. Because we walk as Christians. We walk by faith, not by sensory perception. We walk by faith. And you need to know that your words carry power. Don't underestimate yourself. That's where the devil wants you to belong. But don't forget you are delivered from the domain, the dominion, the control of darkness. You're here now. It's unfortunate for the devil that you're hearing this. And I expect that you walk away with your head high. And be good to people, not because they are good to you. Be good to them because you are above. You're not beneath. That's what the Bible says. Say you are above, you are not beneath. You belong to the one who is from above, who is above all. Oh, I could keep going. But can you take this opportunity just to speak to your situation, your circumstances, whatever you want changed, it's your time to speak to them. Speak to them and just say, now listen, your situation, whatever you are, you are changing because I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what belongs to me. The devil has no power over me. He has no hold over me. Go ahead and just talk to that situation right now. Go ahead, talk to it. Talk to it. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Oh, I can see. Can you stop? Hello. Hello. Good morning. Stop. Look at me. The Bible already said that we are the mighty. In Revelations, it says that we are kings and priests. Right? In the book of Proverbs, it said the words of the king has power. How many kings do you see speaking very fearfully and afraid and whispering, God, I'm not sure. That was what I saw. But I want you to take authority. The one who has authority is not afraid to speak. The Bible says a rich man speaks rashly. Right? You are rich in the spirit and it's time to open your mouth regardless of who is standing by you and speak to your situation. This situation is not about to change when you go, um, just change today. It won't. It won't. First and foremost, change your attitude towards your situation. He will know you are serious. Hallelujah. Are you ready to speak to it? Are you ready to speak to it? Don't be afraid. Go ahead and talk to it. If you want it to change, you change it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are not talking on your own authority. You are talking in the authority in the name of Jesus. 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 Regardless of what is going on. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here.
The Spirit of God is here. God is in this place. The Spirit of God is here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fear is gone. Fear is gone. Fear is gone. We are born of God. Greater is He that is in us. Greater is He that is in us. We belong to God. We are gods on it. We are the mighty. Everything we ever need for life and godliness is already available to us. We are only just discovering how far and how wide and how big is our reach. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because from henceforth, the devil will have no hold over your children. You have no say in their lives. In the name of Jesus, any time that there is doubt, your spirit will rise like a mighty man of war in their spirit. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We speak against sickness. We speak against fear. We speak against frustration. Every mental health issue, we arrest you. In the name of Jesus, you have no hold over your children, over God's children. Depression is gone. Anxiety is gone. In the name of Jesus, we want for nothing. Because everything we ever need for life and godliness, we find in you. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.